Joshua chapter number 23 and 24, actually 23 and 24, we're going to mostly be in 24, but if you want to look at 23, that'd be great too. Joshua, I'll just say Joshua 24, Joshua 24, it's the last, last chapter in Joshua. And, uh, um, all right, while you're getting there, let me, um, let me pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to open your word. Lord, thank you for your Holy Spirit that you have sent to us. That you have, um, as, as Lynn mentioned earlier, you haven't left us uh, abandoned. You have sent a comforter. And one who not only just not only comforts us, not only is our friend, not only is the one who leads us, but, but you also uh, teach us. You um, give us wisdom and insight and understanding. And Lord, I ask, even as Paul did, that you would give us understanding today. Give us knowledge and wisdom. Give us insight, revelation. Uh, Not just head knowledge, but a knowledge of of who you are and how we need to live our lives more according to your word, according to your plan. Lord, let this uh, not just uh, be an exercise in learning more scripture, but an exercise in changing our hearts to become more like you. So Lord, I ask that you would be with us today, Holy Spirit. Come, have your way. Whatever you want to do here this morning, we're yours, this time is yours, this place is yours. So come and and do whatever you would like this morning. In any way that you can, use me, use my words, use uh, the scripture in order to to get what you want done, done. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So you'll notice we, we skipped a lot in Joshua. A lot of that, there are a little bit of stories in there, but most of Joshua, if you go back through it, uh, most of it is dividing out the land. So it's uh, this tribe is going to get this portion, and this tribe is going to get that portion, and you're going to go over here, and it's going to be from this area to this area. So <clears throat> that's... Uh, if you want to read it, great. It's good material. Um, it's it's difficult to uh, just go through. It's, it's like it's like um, trying to preach out of the first part of Numbers, where it's just a list of of everybody who whoever whoever did anything and and who begat who. So if you want to read that, great. There are a couple of good stories in there, like Caleb um, and how he got his his land and came to Joshua and and how he. Um, uh, said, you know, the Lord has given me this, and I'd like to have this part of my land. Um, so there's a few good things in there, but I'd like to go ahead and skip to the end and um, and really uh, emphasize what how Joshua finishes out uh, today. So um, uh, if you look in chapter 23, chapter 23 and 24 go together. Chapter 23 really sets up 24. Basically, what 23 says is it, it comes along and and Joshua knows that he's about to the end of his life. So think about it. If you knew that your time had come, you knew that you didn't have that much longer to live, you uh, had been leading a group of people uh, since uh, you were uh, mid-age, you know, you had you'd been with them for quite a long time, and then you, you had been given the leadership, and you have one last address to them. What would you say? You've got one last address to your your family, the ones that you had trained up, the ones that you had had put into leadership yourself, the ones that had served beside you, the ones that you were the closest to. You had one chance to say, "This is it." What's what's going to be on your heart and on your mind? And that's what Joshua comes about with in these chapters. Chapter 23, like I said, he, he said he brings, he knows that he's coming to the end of his life. He brings all Israel together. Really, it looks like he's brought the leadership to the representatives of all Israel, um, the elders he's brought to him, And he, he starts telling them how good God is and the... Uh, covenant that God had made with them. 
Um, chapter 24 really repeats a lot of 23, so uh, look with me uh, starting in verse 1 of chapter 24. And then I'm going to emphasize a couple of things as we go, so don't get too caught up in reading. All right, we'll, we'll read together and we'll listen together this morning. How about that? Is that good? All right. So then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for the heads and their judges and their officers, and they presented themselves before God. All right, pause for there just a second, okay? Because this is really important because this is part of the setting. Joshua calls Israel to Shechem. Now, um, if you... If you would, just uh, flip over, hold your place there in Joshua. Flip over to Genesis chapter number 35. Genesis 34 and 35. Okay, because this will play out later, so I want to properly give this a little bit of a um, context. Chapter 34, this is with Jacob. Jacob is, has um, left Laban. He's, he's going back to the uh, area of his fathers, and they come on a uh, town, uh, Shechem. And this is where their sister, uh, not Jacob's sister, but uh, his son's sister, Dina, gets violated by the men of Shechem. And a couple of Jacob's sons go in and they take their vengeance on the entire town. Okay, you can read that in chapter 34. This, this makes Jacob a bit upset. It says that he, uh, he, he felt that they, Israel had become a stench in the, with the people of the area. But this is the first place that, if you will, where Israel, has, uh, the Israel as a group, so you have Israel as a person, Israel as, as his family, has come in and kind of exerted themselves in the land. Okay, way back into Genesis. And then uh, chapter 35, it says in uh, then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and live there, and make an altar to God who appeared uh, to you when you fled from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household, to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods which are among you, and purify yourselves, and change your garments. Let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to jo- Jacob all the foreign gods which they had had and the rings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem. Okay, so there's the context. Joshua uh, brings Israel together to the, the same area of Shechem that Jacob had come uh, with his family. It says, Joshua said to all the people, verse 2, verse, this is back to chapter 24 in, in Joshua, verse 2. Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. So this is God's voice, okay, through Joshua. From ancient times your fathers lived beyond the river, namely Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river, and led him through all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. To Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and to Esau I gave Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. Then I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt by what I did in its midst, and afterward I brought you out. I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And Egypt pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. But when they cried out to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your own eyes saw what I did to Egypt and you lived in the wilderness for a long time. Then I brought you into the land of the Amorites who lived beyond the Jordan and they fought with you and I gave them into your hand. And you took possession of their land when I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel. And he sent and summoned Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. Interesting, he, he, he fought them by having someone curse them. But I was not willing to listen to Balaam. So he had to bless you, and I delivered you from his hand. You crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the citizens of Jericho fought against you, and the Amorite, and the Perizzite, and the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Girgashite, the Hivite, the Jebusite. Thus I gave them into your hand. 
Then I sent the hornet before you, and it drove out the two kings of the Amorites from before you, but not by your sword or your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities which you had not built. And you have lived in them, you are eating of vineyards and olive groves which you did not plant. Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Are you starting to hear the same thing that Jacob said? If it is, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which, uh, which your fathers served which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The people answered and said, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is he who brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And who did these great signs who did these great signs in our sight and preserved us through all the all the way in which we went and among all the peoples through whose midst we passed? The Lord drove out from before us all the peoples, even the Amorites who lived in the land. We also will serve the Lord, for he is our God. Then Joshua said to the people, You'll not be able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He's a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done good to you. The people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen for yourselves the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, put away the foreign gods which are in your midst and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. The people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and we will obey his voice. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day. We've talked about covenants in here, cutting the covenants, right? And made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. He took a large stone and set it up there under the oak. The oak comes back into the picture. That was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be for a witness against us. For it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. Thus it shall be for a witness against you, so that you do not deny your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to his inheritance. If you read a little bit further, you'll find out that Joshua went to his inheritance, and he died. This passage really is about faith in some way. Where are you going to put your faith? Joshua knows that he is going to be leaving the people and he wants to leave them with something. He wants to leave them with a covenant. He wants to try to preserve this people. Right? So if we're going to go on from here and, and stay uh, following after the Lord, what do you do? How do you preserve the faith that you've had while I was leading you? How do you continue to have faith in God? How do you continue to, to go and take the land? How do you continue to live in that land? How do you continue to, to follow after the Lord with all your heart so that you don't just leave and lose it? He wants to ensure that what he instilled in the people, especially you know, through the Lord giving him that, of course, what he was able to give the people while he was leading, that it would, that it would continue. And really, what he was saying is, it's a matter of where you put your faith. And the first thing that uh, we come about is that we, we see, starting um, uh, in uh, about verse 4 and 5, what Joshua, what the Lord gives is this, this history of Israel. You know, I brought Abraham out, and I gave him Isaac, and I gave him Jacob, and they went down into to Egypt, and I brought them up out of Egypt, and I brought, brought you um, through the wilderness, and I brought you to the Jordan, I brought you into this land. 
I gave you fathers in the faith. But when it comes down to it, it says, um, it says in verse uh, 15, um, it says, as for me and my, uh, where'd it go? Uh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What Joshua is doing is getting, bringing them to a point where they have to say, yes, it's for me. It's not about the faith of your fathers anymore. It's not about what God did for Abraham or for Isaac or for Jacob. It's not about, the, and yes, there's been some ups and downs. The ones that fell in the wilderness, they, they lacked the faith. But you've, you've come in. You have, you've come into the promised land and you've done really well so far. But now it's time to choose again. Is it going to be about what your fathers believed? Or is it going to be about what you believe? Is it going to just be about knowing the history and knowing the, the things that I did for people in the past? Or is it going to actually be about our choice of believing God for right now? It's great to, to hear all the stories of Jesus and, and how he went and he, he healed those who were sick and healed the lame and he, he stopped the, the uh, funeral procession. And we can go further and we can say, oh, the Great Awakening and where, where um, George Whitfield would, would get into a church in the Boston area and they, could, they couldn't, fit so, couldn't fit people in it and, and people were uh, trampled because of the stampede coming out of the church when they couldn't fit any more in. They were trying to shove people in the windows. And we, we hear about, you know, the, the ships coming into Boston Harbor and people, you know, falling out of the spirit and getting, getting saved just because the, the presence of God was so strong. And we can go, boy, wasn't that cool, but what are you going to believe? It's not about the faith of our fathers. It's about what will you believe and who will you serve? We can even look even closer and say, boy, Azusa Street was, you know, that was just early 1900s. And boy, what a great time that was when the Holy Spirit fell and new, and new great things happened. And, and oh boy, you know, the Jesus movement, boy, people were getting saved right and left in the 70s. And, and you had um, all this stuff happen, happening and it was just easy. And the charismatic movement happened and we we're, oh, we... But is it about the faith of our fathers or is it about who will we serve now? And you know, we have to realize too that we all have traditions. We, I know, we like, we're a church that we like to say, ah, we, you know, we, we're going to just follow the Spirit, right? And we do a lot. But we need to realize too that um, every, all of us have traditions that we have, right? And that doesn't mean that they're bad. A lot of them are very, very good. But are we going to put our faith in traditions? Are we going to put our faith in how we do things? Are we going to put our faith in the way it's always been done? And what God is saying today is choose today for yourself. For yourself, who you will serve. So our faith is not resting in the faith of our fathers. It's not resting in the tradition of our fathers. I know this is a big thing even today with the, the younger generation coming up. Uh, there's, a, there's a big group called the nuns. Uh, not, not nuns like in habits, but the, they're nuns, N-O-N-E. They're not relating to any faith. And it's, it's this generation uh, just uh, under, uh, you know, generation, uh, not really X, but kind of the, the Y and, and coming up after that, that they, they, don't, they, don't want, they don't want to relate to anybody. They don't want to relate to the, to the faith of their fathers. They don't want to relate to any faith. I just, want, I just want to be. Let me be my own people. We have to realize that, that as these younger folks come in, that's where they are, and they're 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 needing this message. Are you gonna? Who are you? 
where is your faith going to lie? And for them, they don't want it in the faith of their fathers. Some of the older, elder generations, boy, they want, they want to have the faith of their fathers. The newer generation, they don't want it. They, they, they want to be their own people. And we need to, we've got to strike this, this balance of, of all of us choosing for ourselves. This is who I'm following, and this is the faith of, of myself. And I want to encourage the younger, the, the kids who are here, the kids who are at home, there comes a time when, when children have to have faith for themselves. It's not about my parents taught me this, and parents, mm-hmm. please teach your kids. It's, it, what's happened is you know, the, a lot the parents, especially our, our, our age, um, is they have, they have delegated the teaching of their kids I'm not talking about school, but the, the, they've said, okay, I'm going to let, I'm going to let school teach them the, the reading, writing, and arithmetic. I'm going to let um, people from the church teach them about God. I'm going to let college teach them what they need. And we haven't actually said, okay, I'm going to make sure that my kids know. And I'm, I'm not, this isn't against schools in any way. This isn't against the church. This isn't against, um, you know, programs. But it comes down to parents saying, look, I'm going to teach my kids to, um, and make sure they have um, scriptural knowledge, make sure they have that faith. So when they get to the point where they're about to step out from underneath our house and our covering, that they have something to fall back on because they will need to choose. And they'll have to make it their own. Choose this day whom you will serve. Our faith is not going to rest in our Father's faith. It's not going to rest in tradition. You have to choose whom you will serve. And then it says that, um, uh, they, it says that people said, yeah, we'll serve the Lord. And this is just a really... This is one of those phrases in the Bible that you just go, you scratch your head. Verse 19, it says, Then Joshua said to people, You'll not be able to serve the Lord, for he's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He'll not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and and serve foreign gods, then he'll turn and do you harm and consume you after he's done good to you. The people said to Joshua, No, but we'll serve the Lord. So, we can't have our faith rest in the faith of our fathers and our traditions and in the stories. Nor can we have our faith rest in us. You know, um, one of the things that we, we like uh, to do is believe in ourselves. And there's a good thing, there's a positive side of that. You know, we should have a good self-confidence. We should have a good um, self-image. But something that, um, and I'm going to credit my wife with, with this, it, it really coming out of the uh, church, um, early on there was this movement of, of humanism that came about. And it came from the church. That the church, the, the saying, we should be able to think for ourselves and we should be able to examine things. We should be able to look at the world around us. And we should be able to take um, you know, examination from the world and learn things from those things. And it shouldn't just be that, that somebody from um, the clergy tells you everything that you should believe about everything, which is exactly what was happening. And there's some really good things about that. There really is. And we should think and we should understand and we should have knowledge but what it opened up for everyone was humanism it opened up humanism and it's been carried to such such an extent that whatever I believe is true It doesn't matter what anybody else says if you believe it and it's true for you and that's okay. 
It's, it's been carried to such an extent that what it, what it really is is that everyone is their own God. Because you make up your own reality. They've taken the, the idea that we can think and we should think. They've taken the idea that we should examine the world around us and you should. They've taken the idea that we, we need to study for ourselves and really examine and wrestle with things. You should do that. Okay? Uh, a thousand times, please. But they've, they've so taken it to the, to the extent that they say there's no, there's no true truth. There's no absolute truth. It's just whatever you believe. And that's true. If it's true for you, that's good enough. That's what postmodernism was all about. And that's what the age we live in to a huge extent. And what it really is saying is you can be your own God. Make up your own reality. You can be your own God. What Joshua is, is bringing about here is he's saying, look, you cannot trust yourself for faith. Your faith cannot be in you. Now, like I said, there's good parts that you, you need to have a healthy self-image. You need to have a healthy, healthy self-concept. But when it comes to faith, your faith does not rest in you. There is someone else. There's a higher, a, a higher level of faith that you need to have that does not rest in you. The faith that you need to have to carry on in the faith, to carry on in what God has put in, does not rest in you. If it does, what Joshua says, God's a holy God. He won't put up with it. And that's where we should fear the Lord. Is that if we're putting our faith in something, someone else, including ourselves, then we should have a lot of fear because our faith is resting in the wrong spot. Faith does not rest in us. I am, years ago, Ruth and I did a study on faith, and I won't give you the whole thing, I'm just giving you about that much. Um, But we came to the conclusion that um, faith really is um, saying, I can't, but God will. I can't, but God will. In, in Habakkuk 2.4, it says, As for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the just or the righteous shall live by his faith. What, what the writer's doing there is, is um, making a comparison between the proud one and the one of faith. Pride not being a haughtiness, uh, not, not walking around, I'm better than everybody else, but saying, I can do this. I can take care of this. I got this one, God. Pride is saying, I can do it. Just, God, you can set this one out. I'll take care of this. All right? Faith is saying, I don't have any control of this whatsoever, Lord, but you do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust, I'm going to believe my faith is in you. Pride is saying, um, you know what? This, I, all of this stuff, you know, I have to control it. Faith is saying, I don't have to control it. God is under control. You mentioned then, Tracy, God is under control. God has it all under control. If he has it all under control, I don't have to worry about it. All I have to do is follow. That doesn't mean following is easy. (laughs) I got into trouble years ago. I said, yeah, all I have to do is obey. That's easy. God said, yeah, right. (laughs) I'll show you how easy that is. So our faith does not rest in our Father's faith. It doesn't rest in ourselves. And Joshua said to the people, verse 22, says, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen for yourselves the Lord to serve Him. And they said, we're witnesses. Verse 23, now therefore... Put away the foreign gods which are in your midst and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, watch this. The people said to Joshua, We will serve the Lord our God and we will obey his voice. 
Now, we, we just read over in uh, Genesis about Jacob, right? And he said, I want you to get rid of your foreign gods. And what did all the people do? Remember his family, his whole family? What did he do? What did they do? They got rid of him. And he buried them under the oak. And they're here back in... And don't know if it's the same oak, okay? Probably not. <laughs> but they're back in the same place by an oak tree. And Joshua's saying, get rid of your gods. And what do they do? They say, yeah, we're going to. Now, I, I don't want to harp on it too much because you don't want to preach on something that's not there. Okay? Because then you're assuming a lot. But the, the absence is very telling. If they just say, we're going to get rid, we'll follow the Lord. They don't say, okay, here are, all the, here are all the gods. Bury them. Get rid of them. Because what Joshua, he seems to be saying, they're still among you. Get rid of them. We'll serve the Lord. Now, I don't think anyone in here has a little idol on their mantle that you burn incense to and you bow three times before you head out the door. Okay? But an idol is not necessarily something made of stone and wood. It's something that you put your faith and your trust in more than God. Right? And those are things that what Joshua says, you cannot put your faith in idols. You can't put your faith in idols. What are some of those idols that people put their faith in today? And some of these things are good things. They're good things, people. Okay? Idols don't have to be bad. They can be very, very good things. That what's bad is where we put our hearts and where we put our faith and where we put our trust. People People oftentimes put their faith in money. Mm-hmm. Is money good? If you don't have it, you're going to be in a bad shape. Yeah. But is that where your faith goes? No. A lot of people put their faith in their job. Jobs are good. You should have a good job. You should, you should enjoy it. You should, you should do, you know, um, you should work hard and work well. But does your faith go in your job? You know what? People put, put their faith in relationships. Even in family. Is family good? Absolutely. Relationships? Oh, you better have good relationships. Is that where your faith goes? We watched a, a movie a, a while back. Actually, I've seen it a couple times. I highly, highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. Um, it's called uh, Overcomer. I remember a scene in this movie, and I won't tell you the whole story, so I'm not spoiling it for you. Um, but it's about a, a young girl who's a high school runner. And um, there's a, a gentleman who's a Christian in the movie, and he is a high school basketball coach. He's in a hospital, and he walks into one of the hospital rooms, uh, just kind of by chance gets kind of shoved into a room, and he starts talking with the gentleman in there. And... Um, the guy uh, asks, asks the guy who's in the hospital asks this um, uh, Christian man who's a basketball coach. He said, "Who are you?" He said, "Well, I, I'm a I'm a basketball coach. Although it seems like my basketball team may not happen." So, okay, that's gotten stripped away. Who are you? Well, I I coach history. I'm uh, sorry, I teach history also. Well, if you, lo- if you lost that, who are you? Well, I'm a father. You know, I, I'm a husband. Um, I have, you know, a wife and kids. God forbid that he should take that away. Who are you? He said, well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a white American male. <laughs> he said, who are you? He said, well, I, I'm a Christian. He said, you know, that was so far 
down the list of who you say you are. And it's like he was, the conversation was like he was stripping away all the different things that could be idols. I'm a good basketball coach. Well, what if you don't have that anymore? I'm good with my job. I, I enjoy, I, 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 I teach. I do this. I, what if you don't have that anymore? Well, I've got a great family, but what if, God forbid, you don't have that anymore? And it's where do you put your faith? Who are you really? And it cannot be in any of these idols. It can't be in any idols, whether those are small things carved out of wood and stone, or if it's something that's actually right here. You know, something that's really fascinating is um, this is Joshua's last address. And when you look at Moses, Moses has a last address. It's called the whole book of Deuteronomy. (laughs) But this is Joshua's commissioning. If you want to flip over to Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31. I want you to see this. Sometimes I just tell you tell you things. I feel like you to see this. Verse 23 says, He commissioned Joshua the son of Nun and said, Be strong and courageous. You should remember that. For you shall bring the sons of Israel into the land which I swore to them, and I will be with you. It came about when Moses finished writing the words of this law in a book until they were complete that Moses commanded the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, saying, Take this book of the law and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it may remain there as a witness against you. For I know your rebellion and your stubbornness. Behold, while I am still alive with you today, you have been rebellious against the Lord. How much more than after my death? Assemble to me all the elders of your tribes and your officers, that I may speak these words in their hearing and call the heavens and the earth to witness against them. For I know that after my death you will act corruptly and turn from the way which I commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter or the last days. For you will do that which is evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger with the work of your hands. And then Moses gives the song of Moses there in Deuteronomy 32. Now listen again, um, starting in verse 25 of Joshua 24. Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and made for them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God. Wrote the words down. Took a large stone and set it up there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said to all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness against you, for for it has heard all the words of the Lord which he spoke to us. Thus it shall be for a witness against you, so that you do not deny your God. And we had just read where he said that the people wouldn't be able to, right? That the the hand of God would be against them if they they, um, did evil. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to his inheritance. Uh, something in verse uh, 27. I'd like to read um, a translation from it from the Septuagint. Septuagint, as you know, it's the Greek Old Testament. Joshua, this is uh, 20, Joshua 24, 27 from the Septuagint. Joshua said to the people, Behold, this stone shall be among you for a witness, for it has heard all the words that have been spoken to it by the Lord. For he has spoken to you this day, and this stone shall be among you for a witness in the last days. Whenever you shall deal falsely with the Lord my God. Do you hear the similarity between Moses and Joshua? Moses, what he was giving to the people, 
Joshua, what he was giving to the people, but there was something missing. No successor. There was no successor. For Moses, it was, this is Joshua. This is your new leader. Follow after him. I'm placing my hands on him. I'm placing part of my authority into him. God has ordained him. Follow and obey him. Like you've followed after me and obeyed me. Here's Joshua. Go get him. And with Joshua, he he has the words that he wrote out. He gives them to the Levites, just like Moses. But there is no successor. Where is there? You know what I think the successor is? It's a rock. Notice it says, like I said, I can set two it says, this stone should be among you for a witness in the last days. Wow. Listen to um, uh, Acts, uh, Acts 4.11. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. Romans 9.32 For this is contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. He who believes in him will not be disappointed. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, The stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed. What Joshua was doing was setting up the stone. You see... As we started out in Joshua, I said there was a picture of the law of Moses being handed off to the promise of Yeshua. And as Joshua gets to the end of his life, he doesn't hand it off because Jesus doesn't hand it off. He just points to this rock. He just points to the stone. He points to Christ. And he says, this is where you put your faith. Don't put it in your fathers or what I did for your fathers. All good stuff, but that's not where your faith lies. Don't put your faith in yourself because even your heart's deceitful. It's going to, it's going to lead you in the wrong direction. So where your faith lies. For sure, don't put your faith in idols. Idols will fall. Put your faith. Put it in the rock. Because in the last days, and those last days, remember, when Jesus came. Hebrews, Hebrews 1 says, In these last days, God set forth his Son. Right? In the last days, this rock is going to testify. 
in the rock said, put your faith in me. The way and the truth and the life. For Joshua said, God won't forgive your sins if you mess up. Only through the rock are those sins forgiven. Because we can't trust in ourselves. But when we put our faith in Christ, all of our sins will be forgiven. When we put our faith in Christ, He will lead us out into the battles and He'll He'll make sure that that we are strong. He'll make sure that the battles get won before us. When we put our faith in the rock, all the idols will get smashed. I, a, a previous church I was at years ago, one of the things that I, I got there and I decided to basically clean, clean house. I went through the church and I found an idol, a literal idol in the church. And I said, okay, Lord, what do I need to do with this? Obviously, I can't just leave it here. <laughs> what do I, what do, how do I, what do I need to do? And outside the church, there was a big rock. There was a cross at the top of those rocks. And he said, go bust it there at the cross. And I did. I took that thing up there and slammed it into the, into the rocks and it shattered When the rock hits an idol, it shatters. It's also a stumbling stone. My question for us today is, where are you putting your faith? It's got to be in the rock. Because if you hit anything else with the rock, it's going to shatter. It'll shatter you. It'll shatter idols. Ouch. It'll shatter the traditions. But when you put your faith in the rock, you get to stand on it. It'll be a solid foundation. So where are you putting your faith today? Let's let everything else go. Let's do away with it. Let's put our faith solely in the rock. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that each person here today that Lord I ask that you would come by your Holy Spirit and you'd reveal to each one of us if we have misplaced faith if our faith if we're just believing you because of what we've been told if we're believing in ourself more than you or of any sort of idols whatever it is Lord I ask that you by your spirit would come and convict us come and convict us Lord Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here or online that um, has never said yes to you initially even, has never said, yes, I will follow Jesus with all of my heart. I'll be yours. I want to just be your servant. I want you to be my God and my Lord. I pray that you'll 
show them today that they need to make that decision and let them make that decision today. And if you need help with that, please see me. For those of us who are following, well, we've got to be on the right path. Lord, as much as it may hurt, I pray that you'll strip away everything that's not of faith. Misplaced faith. Lord, give us a new ability to trust, a new ability to put our hope and our faith and our trust in you and in no one else or nothing else. Lord, bring us to the point that everything else falls on the rock and shatters. And we're left with our faith and our hope in you. Now, Lord, I, I bless each person, each family represented here, those watching at home. I bless them in the name of the Lord. I bless them with protection, protection from... Uh, sickness of any kind disease of any kind protection from accident or injury Lord I bless them with provision everything that they need for their journey for what you got for them Lord I pray that you'll bless them with it and more to overflowing Lord I ask that they would that you would give them a new hope. That as we go out, as we go forth, as we as we are taking each day, and, and each day is so different, Lord, I pray that our hope will be in you and that you will cause us to be salt and light to a world that desperately, desperately needs you right now. And I bless all of these in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.